The next time you're in the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex and you hear a song, don't worry. You are not just hearing things. It's just the singing game warden patrolling the backcountry and standing by to assist visitors. Join us today on the Nature Journal to learn more. Hi, and welcome to the FVCC Nature Journal, the podcast for everyone who loves nature. We're coming to you from the beautiful campus of Flathead Valley Community College at the foot of the Swan Mountain Range of Northwest Montana. I'm John Fraley, longtime instructor in wildlife conservation here at the college, and I also served 40 years with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Our producer is Colin Burkhart, and thanks to Morgan Ray, the library director, for offering the library as our podcast home. Well, game warden Ben Chapelow, thanks a lot for coming on today. Yeah, thanks. That was an awesome uh, little fiddle piece you did. I'm sure you're serenading all the visitors back in the bob, right? You've dubbed me the singing game warden, but I've never once brought it to work or sang while at work. I don't even bring it in the backcountry because they're expensive instruments. I don't want them to get ruined. But you've you've played at a lot of functions that people are really impressed with, outdoor people and stuff. And you always have it, you know, that option of starting to serenade people. They'll probably maybe have better compliance on the regs if you serenade them, huh? I know some of those folks, if, if you get sing them a song after writing them a ticket, they'd probably <laughs> get angry. All right. So today we're going to talk about some of the good times and, and not so good times you've had since the last time you were on about a year ago and all the patrolling you've been doing. And first of all, tell us what your, your, your patrol area is. I know you don't spend all your time in the back. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably about 10 to 20% backcountry and the rest is front country. So I cover Hungry Horse and Spotted Bear Ranger districts yeah. and part of the Flathead Valley. So... Most of it's spent in the front country, working the rivers and lakes there. But um, summertime, it's in the back country, and that's where everybody else goes too. So yeah. you follow where the people go. So Well, we're going to talk about some good things and not so good things. So what are some good things you've run into in the last year in there in the back country? One thing in I general. really enjoyed about working in the back country and in like the Spotted Bear area is that people are on a trip of the lifetime. So they're generally pretty happy when you meet them. <laughs> Or sometimes you see people that it's a harder trip of a lifetime than they thought, so they're kind (laughs) of in a bad mood. But for the most part, people are, they're excited to be where they're at and they enjoy what they're doing. So that's probably the biggest benefit of this new position I've got is just working with those kind of people. And you know, everything always tastes better in the backcountry too. Yeah, so they, (laughs) (laughs) I've I've got a mule strength, so I bring pretty good food, but I did run into a guy one time. It was a pretty neat story. He was hiking from Reno, Nevada, and uh, part of his trip was through the Bob Marshall, and he, he kind of startled the pack stream. I didn't even see him sitting under this tree, but he, he's like, yeah, I've hiked from Reno, and I saw how little his pack was. I'm like, what are you surviving on? And he says he just soaks ramen noodles in an algae bottle for like an hour, and then oh he eats that cold. Gosh. So, we, get, we gave him some apples and some leftover chili and some trail mix we had. I, I think he, I've never seen a guy drink a can of chili. <laughs> so we were and joking you know, about how his stomach was feeling later that night for switching ramen to chili. But, and even ramen, when um, you cook it right, it's not the greatest. So yeah, putting it in I mean, an acetone bottle and it's soaking, it doesn't sound good. I don't pack ramen, but uh, <laughs> I do pack mountain houses. I, I worked a lot yeah. of backcountry in the 90s, and trail food was terrible, but the mountain house... That kind of brand 
similar brands that they're doing a pretty good job these days and it's easy to pack and so yeah. people eat pretty good back there so. so you've you've sat down and talked to folks in the backcountry what are some of the things you've talked to them about i'm sh- i'm sure they're glad to see you because you know there there's not a lot of enforcement in the backcountry when during a, a typical year so, right yeah one thing that i think people are on these extreme they they're trip to the lifetime you know so they they're going to go in the backcountry and they they love it back there but then i you notice things like if it's once-in-a-lifetime trip, you're going to take a little extra risks. Like, okay, there's bull trout in this hole. What are the chances that somebody's going to be back here? So they're going to fish for those trip of a lifetime. So <laughs> and in some ways, you can't blame them because it's exciting. But there are rules and regulations back there. So, And, in fact, bull trout catch and release on the South Fork is, is yeah, legal. So you got to check your regulations yeah, on that. But you catch you can... and release bull trout. And you can actually target bull trout <laughs> until August. But then right. I've, had, I've had reports that people don't really – they're there in August, and I came here to fish, and I'm going to target bull trout. So that's not good. Um, so and now you run into family groups a time or two, obviously, when you go back in there. And how do the kids uh, exist in the winter? Are they having fun back there? Um, most of them are with uh, a lot of with outfitters coming in with hmm. the kids, and then a lot of hiking groups. They, you can get to Salmon Forks in a day if you have teenagers, probably two days if they're a little younger. But yeah. What is it, only 20 miles to Salmon Forks? It's not too hard to right. get back there. So that's a popular spot, and you got the big lake, and then the river is pretty good. The use is getting pretty high. There's like 90. I checked 90 boats in one day one year. Uh, that's amazing. Year, you said so. you were just sitting on a rock at Salmon Forks and checking yeah. licenses. <laughs> it's and, it's and not <laughs> the most fun way to patrol, but I got to talk to everybody. Um, and the camp, sir, is just as busy as a front country camp. It's just you have to hike there or take a horse or float versus driving your car so do you ever get much non-compliance as far as the life jackets are concerned or most people have um them? most people have life jackets on we've had a few over the years but one thing i would caution people that sometimes i feel a little even ridiculous asking for them because i'm in a spot where the rivers i can just walk across the river if i want so <laughs> yeah. i'm like you need your life jackets unsafe but there are strainers and big oh, big okay. water in the lower stretches I, I think class four or five rapids. Too. Well, you don't you don't want to be on the middle fork or even parts of the south fork without wearing your life jackets. No, particularly if you're a kid, and they no. have to legally no. do it if they're under eleven, right? Under yeah, under, under twelve. Under so, twelve. Okay. Um, so, yeah, most most deaths we have on the river, you can attribute that to no life jacket. Yeah, so. that's that's and it's such an easy thing to do. Just yeah. put it on. People yeah. just you know, there's that commercial on the radio where Mark Spitz world champion olympic swimmer says i always wear my life jacket mm-hmm. and you know ed kelly who we used to have as a warden captain would say he'd, he'd run into somebody without a life jacket and they'd start boasting how they were like a high school all-state swimmer and they didn't need one yeah. everybody needs one because the yeah. temperature is very cold well you know you brought your daughter cora here today so yeah every wednesday on the way up to my dad's in four time we listen to the nature journal podcast all right a fan i usually play that so she'll go to sleep pretty quick but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no well, she she's excited uh John has invited her to be on the podcast to talk about, in the Cub Scouts, we learned the six essentials of what to bring on a camping trip or an outing. So can you name some of those, Cora? So what we're doing here is we're introducing our our little section here called Cora's Corner. And Cora represents all the kids out there. So what is one thing to bring? You have six things to bring that you're thinking of. What is one thing just to make sure you don't get hungry? Food. Okay, you got food. That's good. That's good. What about thirstiness? Um, water. Very good. And do you bring that in a bottle, right? Yeah. All right. Do you ever bring a water filter? Um, You have? Okay, good. And then what if you're out there and you kind of get separated from your dad or your 
your mom and you want to try to make noise so they hear you, what do you bring? A whistle. And that's something that most people forget. And I'll tell you, if you've ever yelled a lot in the backcountry trying to get somebody, find somebody, you'll be really glad you have a whistle because your, your voice just your voice just folds really quickly. And then, you know, a lot of times you feel like you're getting nagged, but how about to make sure you don't get sunburn? Um, sunscreen. Very good, sunscreen. And then how about, you know, a lot of times, you know, sometimes you get caught out after dark. And it's really important to have what? A flashlight. That's a good point, Cora. And then, you know, sometimes if you're getting cold, it's important. You really can survive if you, if you do what? Uh, have what? Matches. Very good, Cora. So there's that six good things to remember. You've got her schooled well, Ben. And a coat. And a coat. There you go. <laughs> All right, now. And you're great. safety first is first aid kit. A first aid kit. That's another good thing. <laughs> you could go on forever, I'll bet. <laughs> Thank you, Cora. Thank you very much. Great, Ben. You're really raising her right. So we're talking about some of the good things on your patrols. We've covered quite a few of those. What about some not so good things? Um, biggest thing I've seen in my overall district is just the increased use of people. It's been, it was on topic on your last podcast. It just creates user conflicts and it's not necessarily violations happening, but people get angry. I work the Blakenship Bridge area. Oh no, with that big campsite. Yeah, so oh, unfortunately, fortunately for me, most of those are for service regulations. So yeah. not necessarily my jurisdiction, but I do get sucked into that a lot. One thing we're seeing is uh, a lot of people that just come to this area without planning anything. Right. And then they just go camp out on the landscape and they live there. And right. not some of those people aren't quite so uh, clean. <laughs> yeah. A lot of bear attractant issues. I, I dealt with that this weekend. Uh, people just camping. And not so much in the yeah. backcountry, but at the, the trailheads. Trailheads. So they go to the trailheads and, uh, and camp there and, yeah. and squat there Yeah, and where you're, you're entering the backcountry. So, and and you, you just never know who those people are. It could just be somebody that wants to move here and this is how they're doing it. Or it's somebody that's on the run from something and you just don't know who it is, if it's a mental health issue or if they have. Right. A lot of times there's a reason somebody's in that situation and we just don't know what that is. So there's this kind of shift in the game wardens are doing is we we want to become more trained up for those kind of situations so we're able to deal with those because we might just be out going to check fish and license but there's there might be a camper there that's just has a lot of issues going on that we have to be prepared for that right and i think the public expects you to do that yeah and they're they're looking at us they don't care what kind of badge it is they don't say oh that's the game (laughs) warden Uh, i'll call the sheriff if there's somebody causing a problem in the campground then we're going to deal with it uh, we had an issue at a, on one of the campsites last year at Hungry Horse, uh, some gunfire going off. It ended up being people banging that. buckets <laughs> because they were trying to scare bears away, which I don't know. That translated into automatic gunfire, so we were coming in pretty... Automatic gunfire. I felt bad for these huckleberry pickers. We we pulled them over at gunpoint, made them lay on the ground and all you that. You were kidding. Oh, no. that was what the report was, was automatic gunfire in the campground. So. Okay. Well, you guys have to follow your training, you know. Yeah. You yeah, don't know. So. So as far as uh, user conflicts, can you just name one because we're running out of time um, here? The biggest one I've seen is uh, just people fighting over campsites, hunting areas. We made a joke last year. Here we are in, in the Bob Marshall Wilderness, and we checked all these hunter camps, and they all have elk in camp, and not one camp was happy. <laughs> so oh, they're, they're all complaining about another hunter. And it's just you see a lot of it, but that's just the way of the world now. It's getting crowded. and 
it's going to be hard to find stuff. You know, I've I've been in some sort of natural resource education since the mid '90s, and sometimes I look inward and say, like, maybe we should just tell people not to come here anymore. <laughs> so, and you went to University of Montana because I remember yeah. giving a presentation yeah, at a fur so. bear or a wildlife class down there, and you were you and Mary Beth were. Didn't you meet in that class? Or at I least? think so. I think I fell asleep during that. Class. <laughs> oh come on, man! <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I do remember that. Yeah. yeah so no, that's great. Well, Ben. Uh, we really appreciate you, all your patrolling you're doing out there, and I know you're away from your family a lot, but it's just a great thing, and uh, we hope to see you in the backcountry. Yeah. That's all the time we have for this episode of The Nature Journal. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fraley, and I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.